Jeff Johnson, I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture presented by the Green Bay Zoom class. This is a school and not a church, neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958, and since that time have established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and certain other Green Bay, certain other foreign countries. The Green Bay class was established in 1975. The dean of the school in Green Bay is Dr. Andy Verkaterin. The president is Dr. Michael Josephson. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. This has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title for the Word or Son is Elohim. This has been improperly substituted by God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. This has been erroneously rendered as Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, there are lords many and gods many. We now know that there, every lord must have a name, every god must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord or God, Elohim is a divine title. This means this was the title our, the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into any good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, or the Latin languages have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true, correct, and original name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. Yahweh is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose the cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud drawn all around the edges of the chart to show you everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within this pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, he took on shape and form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself into a physical body and walked the earth plain as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should all ask ourselves is what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plain? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. 
Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern as it is Yahweh, our creator's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel up out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses to atop Mount Sinai, and he showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He then instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. This pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we will show you proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional aims or objectives, and they are as follows. The first is to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage in the, and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern both practical and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh is to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer the serpent, the devil the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immoral glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace. Our slogan is to speak the truth. Tonight we'll have a prayer from Green Bay member, Dr. Kathy Pluteman. We'll have a song selection and our scripture is John the 15th chapter. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Let us all bow our hearts and minds and let us ask Yahshua, please allow us to hear the words that you have tonight for us to hear. Please allow us to focus on the moment and be mindful and be ever thankful for everything that you've given us and everything that you've done for us. And please just hang on to us, hold our arms up, give us the strength to keep, keep on fighting, to continue following your path that you've laid out for us. And just please, Yashua, just keep us diligent and just help us hold on. And with that, let us all say hallelujah. 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 John, the 15th chapter. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. 
Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant not, knoweth not what his master does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known. I have made known. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they have prosecuted me or persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and smoke, spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done, uh, done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, that they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you shall also bear witness, because you have seen, you have been with me from the beginning. John chapter 15. We'd like to welcome everyone tonight to the Green Bay Zoom class and ask that you please keep yourself muted unless you're helping call a scripture or a reading. Um, if 
Uh, just a reminder that we'll have three speakers tonight, each with approximately 35 minutes, and we'll put up a reminder with the five-minute bell. Our first speaker tonight, we'd like to call a visiting member from the Tampa, Florida branch, Dr. Lisa Zizi. Hi, everybody. Hi, I told Diane I didn't want to come on because what if they put me out? She's like, they're not going to put you up. You're fine. Well, then what did I say? So I'm just not, that's, I'm just nervous, but at the same time, grateful that Yash was been able to show me something and that I can even say a thing at all because he's revealed things to me. So in this chapter, Let's go to um, let's go to I'm just looking through um, Why don't you go ahead and start at one, please? Sure. John 15, starting at one. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide okay. Oh, thanks, Melissa. Um, so why don't you read a little farther? Please? Sure. Four. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Okay. All right, one more. Let's be fine. Okay. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Okay, so in the scriptures, as uh, you know, I'm, we're never really sure who is attending the classes and how much they understand. Um, but this, if, if you're not aware, but the Messiah in the Bible, Messiah used parables and allegories all the time in order to try to show something about himself. For example, this example right here, he's using an example of a vine in a gardener or the husbandman. Now, before we um, do this, it, we, it's not our idea or even um, this, this whole concept of using an allegory. We, we pretty much use it all the, the time. Um, you know, you might, oh, he's a dirty rat. And then, you know, we clearly know he's not a rodent. You know what I mean? With hair and a tail. He's a dirty rat because he's sneaky, um, sneaks around, you know, whatever. So we use those all the time. So um, when you look at that's what's that doing? That's showing you an attribute of sneaky, which is really something you can't see with using a manifestation of a, a you know a dirty rat. So let's go to Romans 1, 19 and 20 real quick before I continue. Okay, go ahead. You got it, Melissa. Oh, I can do it. Sure. Romans 1, verse 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh has showed it unto them. For so the this, just real quick, the, um, this, these verses here are just talking 
we're kind of grabbing it out of the center of the chapter and there's more above and below it, but right away, I mean, you might even read over this quickly if someone did bring it to your attention and we bring it up all the time because this is really profound right here, these couple of verses, because that which may be known of God, you know, or Yahweh is manifest in them for Yahweh has showed it unto them. First of all, you know, I think we all knew that you can't, well, at least I, I never thought I could understand anything about God. Um, and if somebody started talking about it, you know, you, I'm like, well, how do they know? Well, they must know something. So you don't really know. You don't really know that they know, but you, you just don't even want to ask a question because you feel intimidated, which is not the case here. We want everyone to ask questions as much as possible because that means you're interested and then you're at, when you're looking for something and curious about it and open to it, that's when, when you're seeking him, when you're looking for something, you'll find him. And he, he mm. causes you to be looking and then presents himself. So because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in us. So something can be known of Yahweh. Well, really? Well, let's see. What, what can we know about Yahweh? Go ahead. 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So then you can know something about God or Yahweh and for the invisible things of him. So you can't, we know we can't see God for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made in the creation. So in the same way that, you know, you're trying to tell somebody that's like, what is that person like? Well, here's an example. It's the sneaky, this dirty rat. So if you want to know something about God, we can actually look at something in the creation and learn something about him. So that's what the Messiah is doing over here back in John. And that was, he's the true vine and my father is the husband. And if we just think about it, we all know, we know plants and you're looking at with this example here, if something is every branch, so he's the vine and the father or Yahweh is the husband. He's the, he's the Lord. He's the one taking care of everything. And then every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. So the branch is part of the vine. So you are connected to the vine if you're a branch. I mean, it's very simple, but he's using these things to try to explain something about spirit, which in the, as the moderator said, is you can't see, you, you can't, you can't comprehend spirit. You can't, you can't comprehend spirit. So there's examples though that point to it. And this is, would be one example. So um, every branch that bears fruit, he purges it and that it bring, bring back more food. And we all know that, well, if, if you're a gardener or do any plants at all, when you have a fruit tree, you're supposed to prune it in order it helps it to encourage bearing fruit. That's just what all, you know, tree growers and people who deal with that, they know that it's part of, it's like a pattern that is so consistent. And that's what he's talking about here. So now if you want to flip this, if you want to say, you know, if he's, he's the vine, he's the true vine It's Yahweh is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So we're the fruit. Now, well, and he goes, I'm the vine, you are the branches to so your branches off of him. Um, now, and then three, now you are clean through the word, which I've spoken unto you and the, his, the Messiah just went through 
you know, this New Testament that we read and did a lot of things. And you were clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And we all know that's very basic. You would, you would laugh if someone talked about, you know, that a branch, a branch that's not attached to the tree can bear fruit. Ha ha ha. Well, no, we all know that. But if that's an example for us to try to understand how we fit in with the creator and with the Messiah, where do we come in? Well, we're a branch down in five. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same way that a branch abides with a vine, brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Well, that's, you, you're looking at the branches. The branches can't do anything without the vine. Mm -hmm. And let's go to then, I, I, th I don't know, I think it's Ephesians, the fruit of the spirit. I, is that, I think that's where it is. It's in one of the shuns, Ephesians, Galatians. Galatians 5.22. Thank you. Thank you. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Did you want me to pick that up a little bit? <laughs> the, let's pick it up at, uh, well, or something? It, before that, it's all the, um, the lust of the flesh. Yeah. So that's like the opposite, you know, and that might be a lot to, to tackle. But I, what I wanted to say when we're talking about fruit, well, what do you mean? He's talking back here and what bringing forth much fruit. What are you talking about? Well, these are allegories in the same way we're trying to understand something about Yahweh. This example of the vine, when you have a vine of a certain plant, you have a certain type of fruit that comes off of it. And the fruit of the spirit, that's we're not talking about any fruit that we're, we're <laughs> we can talk about. This is fruit of the spirit. And this is an example so that we can see that the fruit of a plant is a result of what's in the plant. And the fruit of the spirit is a result of, you know, what the spirit's about. And so that's what's explained here. The fruit of the spirit is love and then goes through all these attributes. And if you look at this Moses church that we're looking at now on the top left, where it says Yahweh is spirit manifesting within the cloud, symbolizing eternity. And what those are, the nine attributes, wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, those are all things that you can't see. You just can't, see, you know, you, you don't even think about it. Can you see wisdom? What are you talking about? People wouldn't even talk that way, you know, but you can see it demonstrated. And that's like some of those examples are in this list here. Love is the first one and love's on there. I mean, these, what Yahweh has explained through the creation and through Dr. Kinley is that Yahweh is these nine attributes and I, I i sometimes when i say these things it's like i feel like i need to say you know a long line of words to explain that because we're claiming a lot we don't have a lot of time and somebody else is going to get up by me but if you these attributes that we can get examples yahweh is wisdom when you're looking at wisdom you're looking at him and that's all those nine attributes and that's a lot to grasp but that is what's saying the fruit of the spirit is love the fruit of the spirit is joy. 
And I, in this long list of things, I think it would be hard pressed to say that those are the fruit of us, me. This is the fruit of Lisa. Oh, it's me driving down the highway, mad at the driver and trying to calm down. That's the fruit of Lisa right now. So you, you, when you look at what, what, what happens, and I don't, I don't even know if I should, I'm going to say too much longer, but this, we're when we're talking about John 15 and just the beginning of this chapter, and he's talking about the branches and the vine, and it's all the same. It's like, what, what's when you, um, in five, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abides in me and I in him. Of course, a branch is part of the vine, the vine's in the branch. And, and the same brings forth much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. And the fruit of the spirit in Galatians is love. And these are all the things we want and the things before that Melissa was gonna pick up. That's kind of what you're looking at before you come into this class. You, you don't know, you don't know that you don't know and you're, right. you're doodling along and you're oh, just don't, you don't know what to do. And you look at the shiny, boy, that's an awesome cathedral. Boy, that's, a, that, that guy's got money. That guy or that girl or this, the, this, just the wealth and the riches, that's just a distraction. So when the, 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 the love, I'm like, oh, go ahead, Melissa, pick it up. Might as well pick it up in 16 in Galatians 5. <laughs> okay, sure. Galatians 5, starting at 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, just a uh, note. You might want to write this down in your notes to pick up that chapter earlier, because this I say then. So there was a bunch of stuff said before that, but we're going to keep going. Walk in the spirit, and and. And you shall not feel the lust of the but so I'm just showing an example of the difference and what happens when you come when you come to these lectures, you hopefully the goal is for you to start uh, look turning away from the things that you thought you knew about your creator. And then he's and, and really he's causing it to happen. If it's happening, it's it's not an accident that you're here. So the Keep going, Melissa. We read some of these things. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. So the flesh lusts against the spirit. Go, go, go ahead. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So it's a struggle. And we, you know, sometimes you just feel it, um, you know, within yourself. You can feel a tug sometimes, even physically, about, well, I really, this is probably the wrong thing to do, but, you know, like, well, it, you know, this is what I should do or something. And like, you, so that you cannot do the things you would. Keep going. Yes, 18. But if you be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. So that's what you don't realize, but you're led. You, you, <laughs> What cracks me up sometimes when you're talking about people, and I, I know I don't know who's all here, but you know people talk about, you know, like we're talking about the, you know, your choice and you know who chooses who, and you don't, you don't even choose now what you're doing because your psychological state and where you came from, your background, and the way you see the world that causes you to choose. You don't even do it now. You don't realize it, but that's another point. So for the flesh, so, but you, if you be led of the spirit, you are not under, you are not under the law. So there's a, there's a good chance that, cause there's an if here that you're led by, you're, you're led by 
the flesh. That's what I'm going to say right now. Go ahead. 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Okay, so what's hard about some of this is um, it just seems like it takes a lot of time to explain it. But what I'm going to say briefly is this. In the same way that, you know, in Romans 1, 19 and 20, we said that the physical things or the things created are going to show you something invisible about Yahweh. And for example, the, the vine in the branch shows you that that's how the Messiah is, is connected to or um, the husbandman with the vine is how Yahweh is with Yahshua. And then we're a branch off of Yahshua. That's an allegory. And when you're looking at a list of something like this that we just that Melissa just read, uh, we don't know, but we, we often look at these things as um, we're talking because what we're talking about is fleshly things and spiritual things mm -hmm. and uh, this is more just for you to observe and watch the process if you continue to attend these lectures of the change that's going to happen from some of the list of the upper section Adultery and and what's 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 well, you don't even have a lot of time to say, but the adultery, for example, isn't even adultery as pertaining to physically, mm -hmm. you know, a physical man and a woman and having a relationship, and then you break that your adultery. We're not even talking about that because at, in the same way that that we're not talking about a vine and a branch because it points to something spiritual. Actually, adultery points us to something spiritual too. Mm -hmm. And you go, what? And that's what we learn here. And we come here all the time trying to learn as much as we can because you have you don't even know that what you're seeing in this world is a lot of distraction and shiny objects and trying to get you just to do anything except look at Yahshua. And so adultery spiritually actually means that you are turning away from your husband, which is Yahweh, because it says in the first verse of Romans or the 15th chapter of John that he's the husband man <laughs> that's a gardener but still he's many scriptures where he talks about I am your husband mm -hmm. so that 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 just whole just opens up so much more because the whole book is like that but um I think that you know there's a lot to say here and there's a lot of things I might have just gone to maybe at the, sometimes there's a lot of information said but you're doing the best you can with what you can't you know with what you've been given so um, let's read a little bit more in um, John then, back in John. Melissa, please. We were at six. We at six, yes. <laughs> if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So he's just talking about the process of what happens with, you know, these vines and branches, and you got to flip it in your mind. And, and that happened, that's happening with everything that the Messiah, I mean, that's another whole 
the Messiah, he, I mean, let's see. I was just reading the rest of a little bit in the, in the rest of the book. Um, so if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. If you are not, if you are not one of Yahshua's, if you're not the branch on the vine, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. You're just not going to make it as a branch, if you're not connected to the vine. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, we, we say all these things in class and we're not telling you, you have to do something. This is more of you to observe that's what's happening to you. It's happening to you. And it feels like you're making choices. You also think you're, you're making your own choices. And like I said, you're not even doing that because of everything that our brains, how, are, how they're connected and what we see in the world and how, you know, our emotions and the, the whole, the way the whole brain works. So it's, I mean, this hope, what we're trying to do is get people to be, get their attention and try to learn as much as they can. And Yashua will teach you something. So um, go ahead, read seven, please. Sure, seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So, you know, this is what a lot of people, you know, really hope for as well. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and, and it shall be done unto you. And that's a comforting thing to think that, I mean, in this world right now, there's not a lot of comfort for people. You have to, it's just not, it's hard right now. And what happens here in these classes that we learn, when we learn about Yahshua, and his words abide in you. I mean, the things he's talking about here and you understand that he shows them to you. You just feel a comfort in the midst of a storm. It's just, you can stay, you stay focused and looking at him, knowing that he's got everything where it's supposed to be. And then you can just stand still while things are getting a little nutty. I think we could, we've all said this many times that this it's getting very hard. And it's even hard for us. And we have we have many things that we've learned through Yahshua. Um, Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So much fruit. Um, so it's again, bearing much fruit, meaning you are a result of the branch and the vine, which are the things on the lower half of the Galatians chapter five. And I'm telling you that, and, and even like we talked about the adultery isn't necessarily physical. Well, the love isn't necessarily physical either. You know, the love that he's talking about is a love that goes way beyond, um, you know, a relationship. Okay. That could end. And we know it could end. This is a, this is, this is much more comforting, much more internal and real. Um, so I'm going to have you just go read nine and then, um, and then I think I'm just going to wrap it up. Go ahead and listen to one more verse. Okay. Nine. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So in, in there's, uh, as with any type of learning, we know that we need repetition, uh, whether you're going to play an instrument, whether you're going to, you know, 
learn a language or we're gonna just go to school and learn things, whatever topic it is, it takes repetition and then you know, using it, you know, there's, there's a process when you go to school. And so that's what we're all doing here because um, different people are at different levels and, and of their understanding, but it's all a personal journey. And we are hoping that you come back and learn. And as this verse says, as the father has loved me, which the father loved Yahshua, so have I loved you, continue in my love. And we just hope that we can say anything that would cause you to be interested and seek this out and try to understand as much as you can. And we're here to help. And uh, just thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Zizi. For our second speaker this evening, we'd like to call the Dean of the Lansing, Michigan branch, Dr. Terry Welsh. Well, um, good evening, good evening. Good evening. And um, in order for you to hear me better, I'm gonna plug in my headset. Um, and uh, while I'm doing that, is it all right if I share my screen? Sure. I think I can do that. I was looking at some, anyway, let me just share the screen. Oh, somebody else is sharing, so I guess I can't do it yet. Let's see if it's available. There it is. And, um, yeah, I, I just saw this transcript. Uh, I think I just got it uh, this morning or yesterday, maybe. And, um, you know, it, it's a great lecture, and there was a couple of things that grabbed my attention. This was one of Dr. Kinley's transcripts. Can you hear me now? I put in my headset. Yeah, that sounds well, good. That's good. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, I, I know that it doesn't sound good otherwise. So thanks. All right. So there was a couple of things here, and I'm not going to go through the whole transcript, but I'll tell you that there's, uh, it's, it's really important to understand exactly what Dr. Kinley taught, not just, you know, what he said. I mean, a few phrases or things like that, but I mean, the message that he consistently was communicating and um, it really helps uh, keep us on track in order to do that. So I'm so thankful for all these transcripts. Uh, I, I remember keeping Carl Immler up all night and many years ago, uh, being concerned about uh, knowing about the integrity or having some documentation to make sure that the integrity of what Dr. Kinley taught was maintained. And, you know, when the tapes and transcripts and so forth came out and started being recorded like this, it was just an answer to a prayer. So uh, it, it's important to know exactly what he taught and not confuse what he taught with some other things that we thought. <laughs> in other words, you get accustomed when you're in the school, you get accustomed to hearing things. I know this has happened in Lansing on a number of occasions, and I don't even realize it at the time until something comes along and reminds me of it. 
I recognize it, but um, you know, somebody will say something that sounds catchy, somebody else repeats it. By the time it gets repeated by the fourth or fifth person, you think it's a doctrine that Dr. Kinley taught. And that's not necessarily true. So anyway, like I said, I'm thankful for the transcripts. This is the latest one that I got. And there was just a few things in the transcript synopsis that struck me. So if one of the readers wouldn't mind reading off my screen here, uh, you can read the synopsis. I can enlarge it a little bit if you... No, it's fine. Is it? Okay. All right. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, whoever would like to read, please go ahead. Okay. It says trans transcript synopsis. No specific dating information is available in this lecture. The following quotes are illustrative of the con content of this lecture. You're just going to have to face up to facts, just going to have to get into the reality. If you wanna be lost, that's up to you. You wanna be saved, that's up to you. We have come so close down to the end and close of this age until we realize that you have to have a profound knowledge and a comprehensive apprehension of Yahweh now listen as he really is. One of the first things you have to do is learn something about the dispensations and ages. Now here's a devil, the minister you understand, talking about now, in your name, I have cast out devils. The devil is talking about the devil. And don't you forget, Judas was out there casting out devils. The new covenant is not written in this book, pen and ink. Now, if it's not written, written in this book with pen and ink, then you can't read it out of there. That's why he told Moses to lay the Ten Commandment law in the Ark of the Covenant, and that reflected that he was going to write in your heart and in your inner parts. Now, that's what we're talking. No, that, now that's what we're down here for. Not get acquainted with me. You see what I'm talking about? Ain't nothing I can do for you. Now you said there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in there. Is that what you said? Now I want to know how you got in. The Gentiles through the covenant was made with the house of Israel back here 430 years before that time, he made a promise that in Abraham's seed, he would bless all of the families of the earth. Yahshua the Messiah, what you call Jesus, was back here with Moses. This is where he instituted with the house of Israel. That's where he instituted the law with Israel. Now, when he comes through the loins of the Virgin Mary, he comes to fulfill. Yahweh declared the end from the beginning. That's where the whole thing started at. That's where the institution was, was back there when he declared the end from the beginning. You're dealing with two great mysteries, the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of Yahweh. The law of the spirit of life, which is in Yahshua the Messiah, it was in him all the way through the creation. It was the law of the spirit that created everything. Here you are eating the Lord's suppers, as they say. I'm speaking to you, and you are partakers. That's what he's talking to you about in Revelation 3.20. Now here's what you've come up to tell me, those of you who don't know. Folks, we're carrying out the Great Commission. We're going and baptizing in Jesus's name. They baptize the eunuch. Say, listen, you want to know something? You ought to learn something about a eunuch, and you ought to learn something about Philip. 
Okay, thank you. Um, you know, obviously, we're not going to go into all the details there. Um, he had a number of different points that he was tying in there that were, you know, uh, important. But if you go back and get the very first, uh, what do you call that button mark? What do you call this little thing right here? Bullet point. Thank you. A bullet point. So let's read that. And then we'll just talk about that kind of thing a little bit. Okay. You're just going to have to face up the facts. Just going to have to get into the reality. If you want to be lost, that's up to you. You want to be saved, that's up to you. We have come so close down to the end and close of this age until we realize that you have to have a profound knowledge and a comprehensive apprehension of Yahweh. Now listen, as he really is. One of the first things you have to do is learn something about the dispensations and ages. Okay, thank you. So he's got... <clears throat> three sub bullet points there, three little thoughts, messages that are connected with what he was saying there that you're just going to have to face up to facts. You're just going to have to get into the reality. In other words, uh, for those that may not understand that terminology, uh, we're talking about worshiping Yahweh in spirit and in truth. And that's the reality of the way things are. The Old Testament had all kinds of symbols, customs, traditions, allegories, types, shadows, and they were important. And there was a lot of practices of worship there that were symbols of the reality, but those things that were under the Old Testament were not the reality. Yahshua himself is the reality. Um, I, I think it's in uh, Galatians, if uh, somebody can, uh, where it says that those things were a shadow. They were shadows of things to come, but the substance is the Messiah. That's what it says in one Bible, and it's talking about the reality is the Messiah. In other words, the reality, I, I, for the sake of time, I'll just kind of mention this we could read it if you've got that scripture handy you can interrupt me and just go ahead and read it um, but the point here is that the things you read in the bible the things that people use as inspiration the people that were looked at back there under the bible as as heroes uh, you know, Moses, um, the judges of various different kinds that were used to save Israel out of, you know, terrible circumstances and so forth. They were not the real saviors. The real savior is Yahshua, the Messiah. But what those individuals did back there under the Old Testament were types and shadows they were allegories they were can i say almost like demonstrations of what yashua would do in the spirit or on a spiritual level which is the reality of those types shadows and allegories okay you didn't find that scripture did you i think it's in galatians 3 or 4 if you is don't it have it. is it colossians 17 
which which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is the Messiah. That will work. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead okay. and read it and tell us exactly where it's at. Thank you, thank sure. you. So Colossians two verse seventeen. Mm-hmm. Which are a shadow of things to come. Can you back up a couple of verses so they so yeah. the context is there? We know what we're talking about. What was a shadow mm-hmm. of good things to come? And of course, you can read it if you back up a verse or two. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll probably start at uh, 16, I think. Yeah, I'll start at 16. If I need to back up more, I will. Okay. So 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, Mm -hmm. which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Yahshua. Right. The body, the substance, the reality is of Yahshua. In other words, those things back there into the Old Testament, and he listed a few things, like I said, that were um, practices, ritual practices that had a lot of symbolism to them. What they symbolized and the reality of what those things pointed to was Yahshua himself. Uh, Yahshua as... uh, probably most of the people that are on the call know was very clear that the scriptures, meaning the old Testament scriptures testified of him. And when you start looking at all those things that went on under the old Testament, instead of looking at um, Moses as being a hero worth uh, emulating and and like trying to be like Moses instead of that, you realize that he was someone that Yahweh used and had recorded that was a symbol of Yahshua being the reality of those things. Um, and a couple of quick things there. Moses was born under a death decree. Yahshua was too. He was full. He was fulfilling it, and uh, so then you have Moses being uh, a shepherd. Well, Yahshua is the good shepherd or the great shepherd. Um, Moses uh, back there in the wilderness of Sinai um, responded to the people's need for bread for for food and through moses yahweh himself gave them manna and of course the people of course looked at it as if moses was doing it well yahshua when he brought a multitude into a wilderness and into an area that they didn't have food he broke bread multiplied it and fed the multitude and there was plenty left over and then of course he said i am that true bread that came down from heaven your fathers had manna in the wilderness and they're dead but eat of this bread meaning himself and you live forever so he's the reality of what those things pointed to and represented and it's incumbent upon us if we want to have a genuine relationship with him If we want to know him, instead of just having an idea about him and a feeling, we've got to know something for sure about what he did, why he did it, 
how that made him the fulfillment or the reality of all those types, shadows, and allegories. So anyway, Dr. Kinney was pointing that out. And uh, Yanshua also said, and it's in John 17, 3, which I'm sure everybody here has heard a thousand times, that eternal life is to know Yahweh and Yahshua, to know the Father and the Son. And of course, in Matthew 11, Yahshua himself said, no man cometh unto the Father except by me, except by Yahshua. And so Yahshua is, as he said, the way, the truth, and the life. And so there, there's a whole series of things we have to understand about Yahshua. Now, people traditionally, even people that don't read a Bible and that aren't religious, have a socially norm, normative, I think is the expression, concept of what Jesus was like. And you, all you got to do is say the word Jesus, and it has it, an image in people's mind, a connotation as to what he was like and how he was such a good man, and generally how he set an example for us to try to emulate how he set a Christian example for us to follow, such as when he was baptized. And that whole line of thought that even non-religious people somehow got that idea, that whole line of thought is completely wrong. He did not come to show you and me how to behave like him, because his behavior, his actions, actually fulfilled a mission. It achieved certain things nobody else could achieve. And without achieving those things, the entire purpose of the creator Yahweh would have failed. The entire purpose of Yahweh depends on the success of Yahshua doing what he said he was doing. And he said he came and his meat was to do the will of Yahweh who sent him and to finish his work, which means to fulfill, to finish, to carry it out, to make it happen. Now, there's a difference between saying something and doing something. He declared what he would do. He said it way back, even in principle, before he ever made humankind. And that's, and Dr. Kennedy was talking about that later in the transcript. You know, he declared the end from the beginning, but he also had to come in and do what he said he was going to do. It was not done until he did it. And to illustrate that, everybody tried for righteousness under the Old Testament, and not one person achieved it. Not one. And the scripture says there is none righteous, not one, until Yahshua came in. Of course, then he was the righteousness of Yahweh. And then by believing on Yahshua and being baptized into him, which Dr. Kinley also talks about later in this transcript, then his righteousness is imputed unto the, us who believe him and receive 
his Holy Spirit. In other words, we are literally, in the eyes of Yahweh, made one with Yahshua. And we're no longer looked at as Terry Welch. We're looked at as part of the body, the bride of Yahshua himself, as his sons, his friends, and his love for us then is our protection. It is what is considered our righteousness. We are no longer judged in Yahweh's eyes. Now, in man's eyes, that's not, what I'm going to tell you isn't true. But in Yahweh's eyes, you're no longer judged by your physical outward appearance and, and what you do and how you meet up to social standards. You know, oh, he's a really nice guy or eh, he's a jerk. Let him go to hell. That kind of attitude. That's not the way Yahweh works. And all he's concerned about is whether we believe Yahshua and his gospel and receive it. And those that reject it have an appointment in the lake of fire. And I may even get a chance to talk about that final destination, as some people would call it. In other words, are you going to end up being in the kingdom of Yahshua in righteousness, in peace, in joy in him? Or are you going to be in eternal torment, which is in the Bible called the lake of fire? And it really ends up depending upon how you respond to the gospel. Do you accept it? Do you believe it? Do you receive it or not? Um, uh, in fact, let me get a couple of scriptures to read. Just to, Yahshua himself said, get Mark 16, please. Verse 15 and 16. Now, these are Yahshua's parting words to his 11 remaining apostles, right as he's commissioning them uh, to preach his gospel in the present kingdom age. And this entire present kingdom age uh, is intended for the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, to be preached. Yahshua even said in Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. And age and world go together as meaning the same thing. So this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the age for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And the end of this physical creation and the consummation of it and transformation of it back into spirit cannot come until this gospel of the kingdom, the true gospel of Yahshua's kingdom, is actually preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. That's one of the reasons why even during this COVID thing where people had to shut down classes with physical assembly, it prompted more uh, remote communications, the internet-based communications like Zoom and YouTube and so forth. And there are brethren now that we have and have communication with that hear the gospel and are even preaching the gospel. And I mean, all over the world, literally. Africa, multiple places in Africa, in uh, um, Malaysia, in Australia, um, there are also folks uh, in Russia uh, and those areas there that uh, hear the gospel because of the remote and electronic communications that are done by YouTube and Zoom. And 
Yahweh is using that as part of his purpose and what he wants in terms of preaching this gospel. Anyway, would you get Mark 16, 15, and 16? Sure. Do you mind if I pick it up one? Please do. Sure. Okay. So Mark 16, I'm going to pick it up at 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now that's a pretty cut and dried <laughs> statement. You know, he says, preach the gospel to every creature. That's in all the world. And then he's just, he's just cut and dried about it. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. That's pretty cut and dried. And it um, uh, even says in scriptures that the wrath of Yahweh is going to be revealed from heaven uh, and that he's going to take flaming vengeance on them that don't know Yahweh and don't obey the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And that's what he told these men to preach is the gospel of Yahshua's kingdom. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be damned. That's why Matthew 24, he says it shall be preached as a witness. It's a witness either for a person or soul, the soul in a person, or against them, whether or not they accept it or reject it, whether or not they believe it or don't believe it. And that's why preaching the gospel is a serious and very important thing. It is what Yahshua himself wants done, and he commissioned those apostles that he was speaking to back there to be the primary individuals through whom this gospel would be preached at that particular time. And it expanded out. There was others, but he operated, uh, he meaning the Holy Spirit, meaning Yahshua himself, operated through those particular men at the very, very, very inception of the fifth dispensation and this present kingdom age. Um, and it was only through them that others received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit then converts the soul, saves the soul, conforms it to Yahshua. It's only through them that that occurred at that particular time. I'm talking about at the very beginning of the age, not true later on, but everything had to follow a particular pattern. You know, Dr. Kinley stresses this point that I'm making in a whole section of his textbook called the absolute necessity of universal apostolic confirmation, not deacons. And um, so this commission to preach the gospel is a very important thing. It is not just some trivial thing. Uh, somebody said something. It's not a matter of just what somebody said. It, there's more to it than that. And it carries tremendous power. Anyway, so, um, you know, 
and let me, I, I got to move on for the sake of time here. And I don't want to be overemphasizing one part and just forget the rest of it here. Dr. Kinney says, if you want to be lost, that's up to you. If you want to be saved, that's up to you. Now, that's a way of saying what you decide is going to determine whether you're saved or you're lost. That's up to you. That's basically another way of saying what was just read by Yahshua to his apostles. You preach the gospel. You preach it to every creature. You don't discriminate. Preach it to them all. But what happens is this. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe will be damned. Not, so Dr. Kinney's using this expression. He's saying, if you want to be lost, that's up to you. If you want to be saved, that's up to you. And what Dr. Kinley taught was, <clears throat> and still is, the gospel of the kingdom of Yahshua and the Messiah. And it particularly included things that were absolutely necessary for us to understand about Yahshua, about his gospel, his good news. And so then he comes down this other point, this next um, bullet point here. It says, we've come so close down to the end and the close of this age until we realize that you have to have a profound knowledge and a comprehensive apprehension of Yahweh. Now, listen, as he really is, in other words, not as you know, custom would teach or not as we would think. Dr. Kinley even knew the Bible long before he received the vision, was, was absolutely skillful and masterful in the Bible, knew what it said. But after he received the vision, he basically was saying that everything he ever thought about the creator was wrong. He never had a good thought about God in his life. And it wasn't until Yahshua himself through the divine vision straightened him out in his understanding <clears throat> that he ended up knowing what was true. He didn't have a profound knowledge and comprehensive apprehension of Yahweh before that at all. And that's true of every single one of us. There's no way we can know something about we've never seen, heard, experienced, and Dr. Kinley talked about this, that a carnal mind cannot comprehend spiritual things. We're talking about spiritual things. That gets back to that other word that he used back there, which is reality. You've got to get into the reality. That means you've got to understand Yahshua, not only as he was fulfilling back in the days of his flesh, but now the way he is in the spirit, in the reality that you and I hopefully are experiencing now, and I'm talking about within our soul, the spirit of Yahshua infusing our soul and that experience, and also the way Yahshua is in reality and will be when we take off this flesh. We will not, any of us, be in these physical bodies forever. And your experience of Yahshua at that point can continue. But if you do not have 
a genuine, true knowledge of him. Now, before you physically die or before the consummation of the universe, then there is no opportunity after that point in order for you to come to know him and you're alienated from your very life source throughout all eternity because you didn't make the connection beforehand. It's kind of like, uh, think of this as an analogy. It's kind of like a baby that is born so prematurely that that baby never has lungs that will work. That baby, if that baby's, and, and the, that's one of the last systems that necessarily, uh, that has to be developed in a baby before the baby is born is, is their respiratory system. You know, and their lungs are the center of the respiratory system. And if their respiratory system just will not work, they will not survive. Our spiritual respiratory system has to be developed before we exit these physical bodies. And look at the beautiful symbolism. The respiratory system is literally the means by which you take life into your being, into your physical being. The oxygen in the air, which you so desperately need, it's the most essential element for life, uh, substance for life. And even after you've come alive, you cannot survive, you cannot live without oxygen for more than just a very few minutes. And uh, I could go into some details because this is something I deal with, with CPR and first aid. Um, anyway, but it's, anal it's an analogy. The way your physical respiratory system is so necessary, if it's never developed, a baby cannot survive. It's not possible. And our spiritual respiratory system has to be developed before we depart these physical bodies, just like departing the womb. Uh, is that, in fact, that's called partruition. That's the medical term for being born, to part from the flesh of the mother, to depart from her womb. And before we depart from these physical bodies and this physical creation, we have to have our spiritual respiratory system developed sufficiently to survive, meaning that you have to be able to recognize spiritual things. You have to be able to see the reality that Dr. Kinley's talking about here, get into the reality now and get accustomed to it so that your spiritual respiratory system will just thrive in the next age where there is nothing physical. In this age, we can take something physical as a symbol of spiritual things and we can take that natural physical thing to understand the spiritual and learn of the reality or the spirit by taking the types, shadows, and allegories in the physical world, including those types, shadows, and allegories of Yahshua that were under the Old Testament. But that's got to be done in each and indivi every individual soul before we either physically die 
or before the consummation of the universe takes place. Because after this, there is no physical to take to understand the spiritual. And what you must do at that point is compare spiritual things with spiritual, which is really the way the Holy Spirit is teaching even now. So he says, you have to have profound knowledge, comprehensive apprehension of Yahweh as he really is. And then one of his final points here is that one of the first things you have to do is learn something about the dispensations and ages. And this is something that I've been, you know, more aware of, I think, even uh, starting, you know, last year, maybe in November in preparation for the Dallas function, where certain things about the ages and dispensations were the focus. Uh, and I'm realizing that um, there's a lot more to understand about the dispensations and ages than we usually discuss in most classes. Now, just talking about the difference between covenants, old covenant and new covenant, is not sufficient. It is not enough to really describe how Yahweh is working through dispensations and ages. There's seven ages and seven dispensations, and there's a specific function and operation that goes along with each of them. I, I'm going to grab ages and dispensations chart here. Um, I'll share it in a second. I think I, think I can get it uh, quickly. And I want to mention something just real quickly. Um, oh, I did that wrong. Well, I don't know. Um, you probably can't see the dispensations and ages chart yet, can you? I'm going to pull it up. We can see it. We can see it. Oh, you can. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought I'd have to reshare. Good. Wonderful. Okay. Um, great. This chart is uh, pretty much the uh, current version of the ages and dispensations chart. Now, some of you have been around long enough to remember what I'm going to say. Um, this was by no means the first ages and dispensations chart. And uh, Dr. Kidd, I actually traced, identified, I don't know, about five or six of them that were used. But and none of them were absolutely comprehensive. So this chart was never intended to be a comprehensive or total complete elucidation of everything in Yahweh's purpose. Let me change. Oh, you know what? They truncated this picture. I'll be darned. That's too bad. Well, anyway, so we'll deal with it just like it is. The top and the bottom uh, were not photographed and used on this one. Um, but one of the main points was that this cloud around here, this fiery cloud symbolizes Yahweh or spirit in the realm of eternity. And the, the clouds on the charts symbolize eternity and Yahweh or spirit and so forth. Um, but within that eternity, there is a creation. And this is not the first creation, nor will it be the last creation. 
that Yahweh has because creations have beginnings and endings and Yahweh has no beginning or ending. He's eternal. I think that's a point as I remember that Dr. Kinney made in that transcript that we were just looking at the synopsis stuff. So he's looking at the beginning here, going to the ending here. And um, if you read in Revelation, the first chapter, you find out Yahshua himself is the beginning and the ending, the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, or the Aleph, and the Tau, um, which is just multiple ways of saying he is the beginning and the ending, and then everything in the middle has come from him. Um, one point that probably everybody here does know. But Excuse me, Dr. Welch, you have yes, five minutes. Okay. You have five minutes. Thank you much. Thank you. Appreciate you telling me. Um, th that uh, uh, Yahshua created everything that you see in between where it says beginning and ending. Yahshua himself, which is the name of Yahweh Elohim. Uh, the name of Yahweh Elohim that uh, was not known or revealed or understood um, for a long period of time, but that is his name. And uh, Yahweh created all things by Yahshua. In other words, Yahshua is that pattern. He's that archetype pattern. And everything operates by his pattern and Dr. Kinley talks about by universal spirit law in there. And so you see that the pattern has seven steps and I don't have time to go into details, but I think everybody here hopefully knows this, that there were seven ages that follows the seven steps of the pattern. There were also seven dispensations and that follows the seven steps of the pattern, just like there were seven days of creation, vision to Moses, because that creation that you read about in Genesis one was the account of the vision that Yahweh Elohim gave to Moses of him creating. And there's a comparison among the steps and these ages and these dispensations and the seven days of creation, you know, and other things. And Dr. Kinley talks about how everything goes in cycles of seven. Now, we need to understand some things about these ages and these dispensations. And we are right at the point where we are right at the point to where the universal revelation of Yahshua is imminent. That's on that line on this chart between the fourth and the fifth ages. And concomitantly with the universal revelation of Yahshua will be the resurrection of the dead, both a resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto damnation. And the souls that will be raised to life will go into this fifth kingdom age in the new heaven and earth state with immortal and glorified bodies, those that are raised 
the resurrection of damnation will go into that eternal punishment and destruction called the lake of fire in the fifth age. And so this is very important for us to be prepared for. And like Dr. Kinley said, you got to know something about Yahshua, ages and dispensations. Obviously, I'm not going to have time to go into much detail. But I also want you to understand a little bit about the fact that we could not have gotten to this point in Yahweh's purpose unless all the other things that preceded it, age one, two, three, four, dispensations, one, two, three, four, five, and the current six, unless all the things that were needed to happen in those ages and dispensations had actually happened. It was necessary in Yahweh's purpose. And the whole center, the foundation for all of that is Yahshua the Messiah, even as he physically manifested and operated at the end of the third age, where it says his death, burial, resurrection, which occurred at the end of the third age, and his ascension pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which opened up the fourth or the present kingdom age. What Yahshua did is absolutely essential. It is indispensable to Yahweh's purpose. Now, real quick, this occurred at the end of the fourth dispensation, and then also the beginning of the fourth age. And there was a seven branch lampstand, like there's seven dispensations, seven ages. The main stem of the lampstand was the fourth branch. Every other branch stood on and in the fourth branch. The fourth branch held everything up. Every other branch got its oil symbolizing spirit from the fourth branch. Every other branch got its positioning, its patterned positioning from where it stood in the fourth branch. The ordering of those branches was based on their position and connection to the fourth branch. And Yahshua is the one that is the center, the support, the positioning, the pattern, I don't know all the words, of everything and of every soul that has ever existed, including all of those that came before such as those that are listed, Adam is listed, Noah is listed, Abraham is listed, Moses is listed, and Yahshua, all of them led up to Yahshua. Yahshua is the one that they all pointed to, and the apostles, Dr. Kinley, you and me, all of this that exists in this age reflects back from him. Without Yahshua, we cannot exist we cannot stand. It's necessary that we understand something about him and as he operates in the dispensations and ages. So I, I hope that's of some value and encouragement. And uh, thank you for the time. Um, I guess I can stop. Let me see. Can I stop sharing or will you take over the share? Um, I can say pause share oh, and stop share. Okay. Thank you very much. Praise Yashua. Oh, yeah, there's a good ages and dispensations chart, too. Great. Yeah, and he's got a bunch of sevens in there. Thank you, Dr. Welsh. Our final speaker this evening will be a visiting dean from the Syracuse, New York branch, Dr. Ricky Trevison.
Good evening. Good evening. Uh, excuse me one moment while I brush the cat hairs off my Bible here. <laughs> I um, will try to carry on from the previous speakers. Obviously, I can't uh, carry on with everything that Terry has brought out. I am, however, going to pick up on a thread that's in there and uh, that the first speaker had brought out. And I'd like to share with folks something that was brought out in Syracuse last Wednesday, I think it was, and uh, I felt it was a very nice lecture and it, it truly was like a relay race. And what I would like to discuss is the shepherd. Now, first of all, I'd like to go to the scripture reading. And I'm only going to pick up through these verses. I want to pick up five. I want to pick up 16 and 19. Okay, this is John, the 15th chapter, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. And Lisa had talked about this, so I'm just repeating this, but go ahead. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The same brings forth much fruit. Mm -hmm. Now, if I could, for one moment, let's go over to Isaiah, the 55th chapter. And pick it up, start reading in 10. Isaiah 55 and 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud. Now as the rain comes down from heaven, and does not return thither, but brings forth the earth to bud. Read. That it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So that Mankind can eat so that mankind can have bread, so that mankind can have fruit of the earth. Read. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. So this is showing us that the hydrological system or the water system, how that water comes down from heaven and waters the earth and then evaporates and then it condenses into clouds 
and then the system begins all over again. And here's a picture of it here, the water cycle. Now, this is really what it's pointing to is pure spirit or Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh taking on shape and form that's the condensation or precipitation coming down, taking on shape and form, which is condensation, and then coming down in the form of rain or precipitation, which would be Yahshua, and watering the earth, which is the rivers and the lakes and the, how the farmer waters his fields. And then it evaporates and goes back up just as Yahshua resurrected or, or resurrected, he died, he came down out of heaven. He came down into the earth plane after having taken on shape and form. He came down into the physical. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he resurrected on up and sat at the right hand of the throne, right hand on the throne of the Father. So this really is showing you the Godhead. And that's what it's showing you. I continue to read here. 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. So shall my word be, or Yahweh Elohim, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void or empty. Read. But it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall accomplish that which I please. It shall accomplish that which I please. It's going to water the earth. It's, we are made of the dust of the earth. It's going to water us. And it, we are going to consequently bring forth fruit. Just as Yahweh brought forth fruit in the form of Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh Elohim brought forth fruit in the form of Adam and the entire creation. And just as Yahweh Elohim came in the likeness of sinful flesh and Yahshua brought forth fruit in the form of the apostles and he preached the gospel to them. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out and it, the Holy Spirit was put in mankind for the first time on a permanent basis. And that brought forth the fruits of the spirit. And then in due time, in due time, as Derry talked about, at the end of this age, Yahshua is going to take those that have that Holy Spirit and gather them up, which are in heaven and which are in earth, and gather them up, those that are in the body of Yahshua, those that are in the kingdom, those that make up the bride, and he's going to bring them back to the Father. It's just all just so pretty. And it all has to do with being fruitful and multiplying. And we, hopefully, 
in these Zoom lectures and in these live lectures through simplicity and plainness of speech are able to bring forth fruit in other individuals. And they in turn can bring forth fruit in other individuals until that last soul is brought into class and is made fruitful and then shall the end come. Now, we'll go back to the scripture reading and pick up where you were reading, please. Yes, that's John 15, five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Bringeth forth much fruit. So just in that one sentence, there's just so much in there, but continue to read. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me. Now listen. This is important. And I'm trying to find John again. Without me, you can do nothing. I want you to read that sentence again. Sure. The whole, the whole verse? No, just that sentence. Okay. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. You can do nothing. Now, I have an article here. And this was touched on Wednesday night. But uh, Dr. Reber Zahar uh, sent this to my wife and I in Syracuse. Uh, and my wife's going to read it. And the title of it is, Can Sheep Live Without a Shepherd? Stay right here. It's from Farming well, Livestock. That's the source of it. It's from Farming Livestock by Farming Base. Uh, it's a... Uh, if you want to find out what this is, the source of it and everything, we can tell you later. But she's going to start reading this now. Okay. Can sheep live without a shepherd? That's a question. The answer is no. Sheep cannot live without the shepherd. Sheep cannot live without a shepherd. Now, he said there in the verse in John, without me, you can do nothing. nothing. Sheep cannot live without the shepherd. Read. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. Now, everything means everything. That's plain. That's simple. Read. They require constant care and watching over. They require constant care and watching over. Constant care and watching over. Now, just hold that right there. And let's go to John. Uh, I think it's 10 and 11. John 10 and 11. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now this is Yahshua speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. He gives his life for his sheep. And we know that it's important for us to be able to use the law and the testimony. And we know that Israel, you see, Abel way back there in, the, in Genesis was a shepherd. And you had uh, Israel was down there in Egypt and they were shepherds. And Moses was a shepherd. And you had these, uh, David was a shepherd. You had these types of shepherds all the way down through the law and the prophets who were types. They were examples. They were pointing to Yahshua, who's the good shepherd. And it says in another place there that he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd like to go over to Ezekiel, 34th chapter, start reading in one, please. That's Ezekiel 34, starting at one. And the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now she's saying, uh, uh, talking about the, the religious leaders back in Israel at that time and how they're supposed to be the shepherds of the flock of Israel. And he's saying, what is he saying again? Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. These shepherds feed themselves. Now, you know, it's much more important to feed the assembly than it is to feed yourself much more important. It's of the utmost importance that the body be edified. And Paul said he'd rather speak five words in simplicity than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. But read, please. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Shouldn't the shepherds Feed the flocks. Shouldn't the shepherds feed the flocks? We're going back to this article here, and we know that in this school, Romans 1 19 and 20 was one of the theme songs of this school, and that the physical is teaching us something about spiritual things. And that this, this, this article on these physical shepherds and sheep is going to tell us something about spiritual shepherd and a spiritual sheep. 
Simple as that. Doesn't need to be all kinds of involved and weird and strange. It, it's just, just so simple. Okay, read, Peg. So leaving them unattended can put them at risk and greatly endanger their lives. Leaving them unattended, leaving these sheep unattended can greatly endanger their lives. Now go back to Ezekiel 34, dear. Yes, 34 at three. Ye eat the fat and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. You feed okay. not the flock. You aren't feeding the flock. Read. Mm -hmm. Four, the diseased, have ye not strengthened? Neither have you healed that which was sick? Look, we come into class and we need to be healed. We're sick. We need to be cured. We're hungry. We need to be fed. All these things apply to us. They all apply to us. Read. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. You haven't bound up that which was broken. You haven't bound up that which was broken. Read. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. See, the sheep that were driven away, you have to bring back into the fold. So important by the preaching of the gospel, as has been stated. Read, please. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. You have not sought that which was lost. We are supposed to be shepherds. We are supposed to be feeding these sheep. We are supposed to be seeking those that are lost. Read. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Read. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And the flock was scattered because there was no shepherd. See, this is not hard to understand. It's talking about religious leaders who are not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were not teaching the people. They were not healing the people. They were not binding up the people's wounds. They were not helping the flock. Very simple. Mm. Read. Five, and were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they, they were scattered. They became meat to all the beasts of the field. All the beasts of the field, those brute beasts, Satan 
being the most subtle brute beast of the field. Read, please. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. And none did search or seek after them. Now I want you to get, I think it's um, the 30, I think it's the 34th verse. Hold on here. Cause I'm gonna have to move along here. Pick 30. it up, just pick up verse 31. Uh, 31, and ye are my flock. And, the and flock ye are my flock. He tells it right out here. You're my flock. You are my flock. You are my flock. He's talking to people now. Read. The flock of my pasture are men, and I am your Elohim, saith Yahweh Elohim. The flock of my pasture are men, and I, Yahweh Elohim, am your, am your shepherd. You understand? So Yahshua, in fulfillment, he's got to say, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. Now we're going to go back to this article. Yeah, just what you've underlined here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on like the second page, just the paragraph st starts, as mentioned above, sheep cannot live without a shepherd. Sheep cannot live without a shepherd. Read. This is the case for domesticated sheep breeds. Unlike wild sheep that are adapted to living on their own. What do you want? I'll skip I'm down. Only on the line. All right. B, uh, this is the end of that paragraph. Be it for pasture and water for grooming or for protection. Sheep Dependent. cannot live without a shepherd, yeah. be it for pasture and water, Dependent. for grooming and for protection. Now, if he's our shepherd and we're the sheep, then we're relying on him for all those things, for pasture, for water, for grooming, for everything. Read. For protection. That was that. Without a shepherd, skipping down a little bit. Without a shepherd, it may also it may also become hard for sheep to find pasture and water. Without a shepherd, it may be hard for sheep to find pasture and water. Read. Which they require for survival which they require for survival, read. In such a case, the ewes may become weak and unable to provide milk for their offspring who then die. Who then the offspring could die because they can't provide milk for them, mm -hmm. read. Skipping down to second last paragraph. It's quite easy for sheep to get lost. It's quite easy for sheep to get lost. Mm -hmm. I know since I've been in class over the course of the last 46 years, there's been a few times when I lost my way and I'm glad I was brought back into the fold. 
Really, please. Due to their flocking mentality, they're likely to go astray on most occasions. Sheep will follow one another blindly. They will follow one another blindly. They have an instinct to flock together so as to keep safe. They flock together to keep safe. This means that if the leader gets lost, the rest of the flock is lost too. If the leader gets lost, if the leader gets lost, and this happened to us with our dean in New York, when he got lost, a lot of people got lost too. And I've seen it happen all over this country in this school. When the leader got lost, hundreds and hundreds of people became lost too because they followed a man mm -hmm. and didn't follow the witnesses as they were taught to do by the founder himself. Mm -hmm. Read. Last paragraph. Shepherd dogs are very intelligent and are usually skilled at herding. Shepherd dogs are like the mystery of iniquity that the that the mystery of righteousness uses to keep the flock in line. That dog will nip at the heels of those sheep until those sheep go where they're supposed to go. So the mystery of iniquity is a tool that the mystery of righteousness uses to keep the flock in line. Mm -hmm. Read. Shepherd dogs guard, guide large flocks of sheep and act as a living fence. They prevent sheep from eating crops on farms, also from wandering off. They help the shepherd safely move the flock. They the help farm. the shepherd safely move the flock. Read. From the farm to the pasture land. They also protect and keep the flock safe from danger. They keep the flock safe from danger. I'm going to go back to this first page and repeat that first part over again. Uh, can sheep live without a shepherd? No, sheep cannot live without the shepherd. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. Now, we're in John 15, right? Yep, I have John 15, and then you're also... Um, you uh, you're, repeat five for me again, please. Yes. John 15 and five. Yes. I am the vine. I am the vine. Read. Ye are the branches. Ye are the branches. And Lisa worked with this and broke this all down for you. Read. He that abideth in me, and I in him... The same bringeth forth much fruit. Brings forth much fruit. Much fruit. Read. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. What's it say there, Peg? Sheep cannot live without the shepherd. Sheep cannot live without the shepherd. Read. They are entirely dependent. And the shepherd for everything. They are entirely 
dependent on the shepherd for everything. 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 Now, if the physical reveals the spiritual, then this is showing us that the sheep, the physical flock, is showing that they rely on that physical shepherd for everything, just as the spiritual flock or the flock of Yahshua, his spiritual flock, his bride, his body, his assembly is entirely responsible to him for everything, for everything. And I won't be able to get into any more of this scripture reading, which I'm happy just to cover that one verse. We rely on Yahshua for everything. And to be baptized and to believe before we can receive on the Holy Spirit, we have to rely on him for that too. We rely on him, folks, for everything. We can't do anything on our own. And I'm going to sum up the lecture that way. And uh, I hope that the body was edified. I enjoyed class tonight. I hope that you enjoyed class tonight. All praise goes to Yahshua. Hallelujah. 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 And thank you, Dr. Trevison. And thanks, everyone, for attending the Green Bay Zoom class tonight. We hold these Zoom classes every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And we also hold in-person classes on Friday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Central at our Velp Avenue classroom. Please uh, join us again. I'll now dismiss the class with the doxology from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.